0: hear a reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 26. There was a famine in the land subsequent to the earlier famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Settle down in the land that I will point out to you. Stay in this land, then I will be with you and will bless you, for I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants." And I will fulfill the solemn promise I made to your father, Abraham. I will multiply your descendants so they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give them all these lands. All the nations of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. All this will come to pass because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar, When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he replied, she is my sister. He was afraid to say, she is my wife, for he thought to himself, the men of this place will kill me to get Rebekah because she is very beautiful. After Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, happened to look out a window and observed Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac replied, because I thought someone might kill me to get her. Then Abimelech exclaimed, what in the world have you done to us? One of the men nearly took your wife to bed, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech commanded all the people, whoever touches this man or his wife will surely be put to death. When Isaac planted in that land, he reaped in the same year a hundred times what he had sown, because the Lord blessed him. The men... The man became wealthy. His influence continued to grow until he became very prominent. He had so many sheep and cattle and such a great household of servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines took dirt and filled up all the wells that his father's servants had dug back in the days of his father Abraham. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Leave us and go elsewhere, for you have become much more powerful than we are. So Isaac left there and settled in the Gerar Valley. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug back in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after Abraham died. Isaac gave these wells the same names his father had given them. When Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well with fresh flowing water there, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water belongs to us. So Isaac named the well Isaac, because they argued with him about it his servants dug another well, but they quarreled over it too. So Isaac named it Sitna. Then he moved away from there and dug another well. They did not quarrel over it. So Isaac named it Rehoboth Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we will prosper in the land. From there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. The Lord appeared to him that night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He pitched his tent there, and his servants dug a well. Now Abimelech had come to him from Gerar along with Ahuza, his friend, and Fekul, the commander of his army. Isaac asked them, Why have you come to me? You hate me and sent me away from you. They replied, We could plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we decided there should be a pact between us between us and you. Allow us to make a treaty with you so that you will not do us any harm, just as we have not harmed you, but have always treated you well before sending you away in peace. Now you are blessed by the Lord. So Isaac held a feast for them and they celebrated. Early in the morning, the men made a treaty with each other. Isaac sent them off, they separated on good terms. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. We've found water, they reported. So he named it Sheba. That is why the name of the city has been Beersheba to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, in this moment of silence, please speak to us about your word. Thank you, Lord, that you provide water and you bring life. You are the giver of life and the sustainer of life. Amen. Usually Mike comes up right now, but I have just a minute that I want to share with you before he does. The passage we've just heard points to the discovery of wells as evidence of God's blessing. Physical life depends on access to clean water, and God has called his people, that's us, to spread God's blessing to the nations. Next Sunday, several people in this church um, are running or rocking in the Colfax Marathon and Half Marathon in order to support clean water projects in the developing world. Coincidence that our passage today in Genesis is primarily about wells? I think not. <laughs> like, really amazing, right? I'd guess um, that the global water crisis is not new news to anyone here and I recognize it's just one of many issues that can, we can point our attention toward, but can I um, just share with you when I became aware of it personally? When I was 22, I spent a couple months in India with two friends, and we were um, not doing any water project work, but we got to visit villages with an Indian doctor who was a believer, and I witnessed water and sanitation issues in each village that we went to, and significant barriers to education which was a particular um, passion for me. I had just finished, like, an education degree in college. It was overwhelming, to say the least. I hate seeing people suffer. I don't know if anybody particularly wouldn't. But this week, I looked back over those pictures and was reminded of that trip and realized how much I still have to learn about suffering, about community, about the work of God in the world. And that experience in India is not easily forgotten. But when a problem or a situation is that big, I feel powerless over changing anything. So back in the fall, Mike came to me and said, I'm going to run a marathon with Team World Vision and raise money for clean water globally. And I said, I'll do it too. And the words came out of my mouth and surprised me only because I used to run competitively like 20 years ago, but um, generic pain largely unexplained caused me to put running on the shelf. Maybe someday I'll do it, but I hadn't for a long time. I'd convinced myself it was too jarring, and so a side story to the main plot of this is that the pain I used to experience on a daily basis has lessened significantly after starting to run again. I sense God's healing hand in this and it is not lost on me. So I'd like to ask the team, Team World Vision, our runners from this church to come up here with me. I want you to see their faces um, as we pray together for this work. Yep, (laughs) I need you to come up of bringing clean water to people who desperately need it. Runners and wreckers, Remember I told you I was overwhelmed by the problem? I don't want kids to spend hours of their day each day walking to a river to bring water back to their family when they could be in school. I don't want kids to die from diarrhea or other diseases caused by drinking contaminated water. World Vision and others doing similar work believe that the global water crisis can be solved in our lifetime, and that's a a really cool thing to think about. I don't claim to understand the mystery of God and the ways he uses people to do his work in the world. But the lyrics by Bethany Bernard keep swirling in my head as I see you all training and raising funds for this. You don't have to have it all. Nobody's got it together. We're all notes in the song. We sing redemption to each other. Thanks for saying yes to something that was stretching for a purpose beyond yourself And thank you, church. Many of you have been a huge part of our team by your support financially and in just verbal encouragement to us. Um, We feel that. So church, will you stretch out a hand to these, to us, and pray with me. God, you are so good. It's so good to be in your presence this morning with your body. And we praise you for the work that you're doing here in this place, but also around the world. We thank you for each child, um, each child who is drinking clean water because of a water project that came to their village. And we thank you that you are continuing that work. We thank you for these runners, these ruckers. Pray you'd give them strength and endurance to finish the task. We pray you'd continue to bring others along in the journey of bringing your redemption to a hurting world,
1: Amen. Thanks, runners. So a bunch of us will be gone next Sunday uh, to run. Uh, the race is at the race starts at 6:30, so I expect you all to be there <laughs> cheering us on as we're starting. Especially if you want to come an hour early to support that, it really just kidding. Um, And then we'll be finishing anywhere between, you know, 8.30 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Hopefully the same day. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Aaron, for sharing your heart about that. Um, It is a beautiful connection. Uh, We didn't plan it, uh, so it's just the providence of God that as we are getting into Genesis 26, we see God's blessing demonstrated tangibly in the form of wells. And wells are mentioned five or six times in this one chapter. And the wells are a sign, obviously, of God's blessing of his life. It's during a famine. And yet anyone who's watching Isaac and his family is like, oh my gosh, wherever these guys go, the water is just flowing, and they're doing well. So where are we in our study of Genesis? In the last chapter, we witnessed the beginning of a long-term plan by Isaac's son Jacob to steal a blessing from his very slightly older twin brother, Esau. And uh, he wants to, so he he makes Esau sell him his birthright. And uh, Esau's birthright is the promise of a blessing to come. And that blessing is currently held by Isaac. So, in between the birthright story and the blessing story, is this chapter that gives us a picture of what it is that Jacob is so keen to acquire. Why is it that Jacob wants this so badly? This chapter puts the blessing on display. So we need to talk about blessing a little bit. What is it? How do you get it? Can you lose it? How do you use it? All right, simple. All right, what is it? How do you get it? Can you lose it? How do you use it? What does the word blessing mean? Gosh, that is such a generic word, Um we're not in the south of, some of you are here from Texas. Uh, when somebody says, bless your heart, that's not, that's actually means, I think your intentions are good, but you're pretty dumb. I think, I'll <laughs> oh, bless your heart, you know. Um, so I, I think that that, I've been in Colorado my whole life, but I've learned, you know, oops, yeah. Um, you know, we, maybe you're trying to curb your uh, foul language and so you say, bless me, whenever you're surprised. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe you have experienced, you know, in, in Christian community, we have this this awkward interchange depending on somebody's background. So some people are, are fast to say, bless you, you know, like, oh, bless, God bless you. You know, I, I, I met an old friend just yesterday, and, and uh, he's someone who, you know, loves blessing. I said, so I knew that that was important. I said, bless, you know, bless you. He said, oh, he does every day. I'm like, oh, that's, Awesome, cool. Um, so, yeah, we we talk about all sort of anything good in our life. We talk about it as blessings. Um, so, you know, maybe you bought a house in the area more than five years ago. You're feeling kind of blessed with the value of your house right now. Um, sorry, those who are trying to do that. Um, if you've been sick or dealt with chronic pain or whatever, and you're in a season where you're not feeling that. Just feeling normal feels like a blessing. Um, sometimes your kids feel like a blessing. Sometimes your family and friends are a blessing. Sometimes your church community is a blessing. It, the word sometimes is important in all of those sentences. Um, is blessing a nice way to say goodbye? Is it the general generic word for, for good? You know, oh, this is a good thing, a loving marriage, or a, a new job, or I could go on and on. Uh, surely in our culture, that's what the word blessing means. But we need to reframe it a little bit because we need to understand what it is in Genesis. We talked a bit about this last week, but when, if, if we are using the idea of blessing as just generic goodness, then, then we're going to miss the power, like why it is that, that Jacob wants to steal it from his brother Esau. All right, so we need to recognize what is happening here? There's, there's a commentary I've been using to study Genesis uh, by Alan Ross. His commentary is entitled Creation and Blessing. And he's tracking this idea of blessing throughout the whole story. So um, I, I want to give you his definition of blessing. He says, God's blessing gives the seed to the patriarchs and the land to the seed. All right, the cursing alienates, it subjugates, it disinherits. He says, a study of the Hebrew word for blessing in Genesis shows that the giving of a blessing bestowed prosperity with respect to fertility of land and fertility of life. The gift of divine blessing included the empowerment to achieve what was promised. God was therefore always the ultimate source of the blessing even when it was communicated by an individual. In other words, the blessing in Genesis enriches that which is good. In chapter 1, God blessed animal life. He blessed human life. He even blessed the seventh day, the day of rest. All of these, you know, he had already pronounced them as good, but when he blessed them, he enriched their goodness. Like it became more than just generically good. His blessing on the patriarchs, like on Abraham, granted unusual provision from above. So that the family could multiply and prosper phenomenally. And enjoy a special status above the rest of the human race in Genesis. Since this blessing was from God, it came with the requirements of faith and obedience. Okay, that's what Alan Ross says. Um, that is exactly what we see in Genesis chapter twenty-six. That's exactly what we see. Not only is Isaac blessed in word by God; it happens twice, where God just speaks to him and says, "I'm giving Abraham's blessing to you." He he is he is wildly blessed in his stuff and his community. In fact, you know, it, it's sort of written underneath his his community is growing so fast that this king nearby says, you've become more powerful than us. That doesn't mean he just has a lot of sheep. Okay. So this Isaac's like whole tribe is growing and they're thriving and they're strong and they're healthy. They're flourishing and multiplying. Where You know, wherever they dig, water psh, shoots up from the ground, just like in Genesis chapter 2, when God created and water bubbles up from the ground and the plants begin to grow. So blessing, blessing is when a normal good thing, a good created thing is set aside by God to become an extraordinary thing, something that explodes in life. There's, there can, so, okay, so that's what a blessing is. H- how do we get it? Because that sounds good. In fact, the, the plot, we're in between the, like, the spicy parts of the plot where Jacob is like, I want that. I'm going to take that. And so how do we get it? Do we need to steal it from each other? Um, sometimes we still act like that. But um, there can be no mistake how it's given in Genesis chapter 26. God must give it, and he gives it in word, and then it shows up in other ways, all right? God speaks it. He speaks it to Isaac, and he, this is so critical for us to understand. Every, both times that he describes the blessing to Isaac, God is still talking about Isaac's dad, both times. He he says, I am going to bless you because your father Abraham was faithful. And so that blessing is now passing to you. And this idea is foundational to the people of God. In fact, what we just did, you know, I know some of you are Baptists, you know, you don't the getting a little baby wet is weird to you. And that's okay. All right. What we just did is kind of carrying on what the Jewish people believe taken from this idea. Why is Isaac blessed? Because he is the son of Abraham. Full stop. That's why he's blessed. He is part of the line through whom God has chosen to show Himself to the world. All right, that's how it be, it works in uh, in God's people and His chosen people. He could have just picked out random individuals here and there, like I'm going to give you a blessing and and a, you a blessing. But he he chose instead to work through this family and the whole, the way this family relates to one another and treats one another. First, they marked each other by circumcision, and now we mark each other with water as a way to pass along the blessing that we believe is still flowing through God's people. This very idea for the Jewish people became a burden to them because think about Jesus's day in the first century, the the chosen people don't even own their own land. The the Roman Empire is powerful. They're constantly in fear. They have to pay taxes that they don't think they should have to pay. It's, you know, what blessing? What blessing? There's famines on and off. There's, you know, it's difficult for them. Where's the blessing? And along comes Jesus and one of the first teachings he gives is this story. And it's a story about a farmer. And he's he's sowing seed. He's walking along and he's sowing seed. And he's he's like not a very thoughtful sower. Because <laughs> like three out of the four places that it lands aren't don't yield crops. But a quarter of the land that he sows on, I don't know if it's evenly divided, Jesus doesn't say, but a quarter of the land where it's rich soil, the seed grows and it bears a crop. And what, it say, what does it say when Jesus tells the story? It says the crop is 30, 60, or a hundred fold. Now it's never occurred to me that that is a connection, but Jesus is there quoting the story of Isaac, the story of Isaac. See, when Isaac sowed in the land, you know, he's having a bit of tension, you know, lying about his wife. There's some difficulty there. But then he sows seeds in the land, and what happens? The crop yields a hundredfold, much more than it should have. And, And Genesis literally says, because he was blessed by God. So Jesus is referencing this story about Isaac's blessing, but he's messing with the categories. Jesus loves to mess with categories. Jesus says he's the sower, right? He's Isaac. He's presenting the word of God, which is the seed. And and the four kinds of soil, well, that's you. The, The people hearing what's the word that's being sown. Those are the four kinds of soil. In fact, that's not the only place Jesus messes with categories when he's talking about how the blessing is given, how it's passed along. In in, in John chapter 4, there's this amazing story that like so much of Genesis is pointing to. And it's this moment where Jesus meets this woman at a well. It's the heat of the day. She's a Samaritan. Samaritans and the Jews don't like each other. She's there because she experiences shame in her community. So she comes when no one else is there. And Jesus has a conversation with her. And his conversation with her connects to all of these amazing moments in Genesis. Like like the story of Hagar or, or the story of Rebecca, Isaac's wife. You know, there's these incredible moments where God meets people at Wells and then cool things happen. Meets women at Wells. But they start having this conversation. And, and Jesus, you know, he, first he asks her, can I have some water from the well? And she's like, well, you know, that's weird to her, so they have to talk about that. And then Jesus says, you know, I have water. And if you drank it, you'd never be thirsty again. And she's like, well, I'll take some of that. <laughs> I don't like coming to this well in the heat of the day. I don't I like having to walk... A distance and carry it just like the people who we are working running for have to do still so jesus answers her if you had known the gift of god and who it is who said to you give me some water to drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water sir the woman said you have no bucket the well's deep where do you get this living water Surely you are not greater than our ancestor Jacob, are you? For he gave us this well and drank from it himself, along with his sons and his livestock. Jesus replied, Everyone who drinks some of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks some of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Three times Jesus describes the water like this. It's living but wait so does genesis chapter 26 we didn't hear it in genesis chapter 26 but in verse 9 it says that isaac's men discovered a well with fresh flowing water that's what we do in the english the hebrew says living water They found living water. It was something about it was creating so much life in Isaac's people. That's what they found. So Jesus is, you know, messing with the categories again. His people are not Isaac. They're the wells. They're the holes in the ground through which the water flows. Okay, so you might be saying, I I thought we were talking about how to get it. Well, uh, if any of us are actually in the actual family tree of Abraham, but Jesus offers this living water to the Samaritan woman and through her to all of us. Later, there's a, a convert named, you know, a Pharisee named Paul, wrote a lot of the New Testament. He puts the pieces together in his letter to the Romans. He says, there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all. That's a big deal. He's saying now the blessing isn't just flowing through the Jews. It's flowing to the other people. There's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on him. How do we get it? we ask for it and he gives it through Jesus to you god gave it to isaac on abraham's behalf and he gives it to you on jesus's behalf so quickly um that's really cool if you have that you're of you are like a crop there's crops growing out of you that can be a hundredfold or you're Flowing with water. The blessing is meant to just flow through you. So like, can you, you don't want to lose that, right? Can you? Um, Well, our chapter isn't all like puppies and roses here. Um, There's a famine, there's a warning, and right in the middle of it, Isaac, you know, he, he carries on the tradition of his dad. He does the exact same thing in the exact same place, either to the exact same king or that king's son that Abraham did. He's afraid he's going to get killed because his wife is good looking. And so he lies and says, she's my sister, um, just to save his own skin. It puts her totally at risk, by the way. I mean, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. That's what he does. All right. But the warning God gives to him is, don't go back to Egypt stay in this land. So in that land he gets afraid and he tries to save his own neck. I don't know that he would have lost the blessing if he had gone to Egypt, but I I suspect that for each of us we can avoid it and run from it and look to other try to tap other wells, so to speak. And so it's not that it's not that we lose the blessing. It's available to all who call on him. But friends, how often do we try to tap other wells? How often? This is what this is what would have happened if Isaac had gone to Egypt. I don't have a lot to say about him just doing the same dumb thing that Abraham did, except I'm weirdly a little bit grateful for it. And the reason is, because I'm Isaac. I mean, I have never said Aaron's my sister. Um, but, like... I repeat the same mistakes over again. I, I, I can be totally faithful and like the other 23 hours of the day I can be totally fearful and try to protect my own skin. And that, you know, never, God just lets Abimelech, this pagan king say, not cool, bro. Um, that's got like, that's the only critical word about this. God just goes right back into the blessing, goes right back into it. Because he's got a bigger story that he's telling. The pagan king protects the marriage of the chosen family. And God brings blessing even to fearful and faithless men. So how do we use it? Um, There's this great book by Amy Sherman called Kingdom Calling. I highly recommend it. Uh, she, She talks about this this statement in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 10. And uh, it, it, it says this, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And that word for rejoice is rare in scripture. It's not just like, yay. It's like, we thought we were going to lose the war and we won the war. It's it's not a birthday celebration. It's, it's VE day. It's like, Whoa, that's the type of rejoicing that this is talking about. It is is like salvation and victory. And why would a whole city rejoice when some one person prospers? Well, the answer is found in the word righteous. That word, sadakim, describes the sort of people who are willing to disadvantage themselves for the sake of the community. In other words, they're the type of people who are so generous that you know it would actually be better for you if they won the lottery instead of you. <laughs> like that—that that kind of person, the exact type of person who doesn't play the lottery. <laughs> by the way, you know you—you you know people like this in your life. It's—it's it's likely that those people are not the wealthiest people you know. It's likely uh, instead that they're the people who are constantly and bafflingly willing to give away what they have, even stuff that you think they need. When they prosper, everyone around them rejoices. Everyone. So Amy Sherman's point, mine too, is that this mentality, the, 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 the righteousness, the tzaddik, that, you know, it's, it's, intent, it's the intended form of blessing. What did Jesus say? He said, it's not that we're Isaac. It's that we're the wells and we're the, the soil. And when that well is tapped, when the crops grow in that soil, everyone around us in his design would rejoice. Because not only are we prospering, but they all are too. That's the picture of blessing. That was God's original design. When he, he blessed the animals and then he blesses the people and He, the animals, he just says, be fruitful and multiply. That's your blessing. The people, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and rule over the rest so that they will all keep flourishing. Our created purpose, whether we are rich or poor, is to be a well, to have the blessing flow through us and do you see what happened at the end of our story i mean isaac has lied to his neighbors he's only like almost created this big problem they send him away and then they're watching and they're like oh <laughs> we gotta get in on that and they come and they say look like you were a jerk to us we were nice to you let's make a treaty and isaac does And when they make their treaty, Isaac demonstrates that he is willing to share the blessing with them. How? He makes them dinner. He offers them a feast. And that feast is the sign of their peace and the shared blessing. Brothers and sisters, when we come to this table together, we are Abimelech. And Jesus is Isaac sharing his great blessings with us on the night that he was betrayed. Betrayed. Jesus was one, the one who was betrayed. You know, he's also a Bimelech. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This, Think of it this way. You're drinking from the well of living water when you dip your bread in this cup. So whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, would you pray with me? Lord, I'm guessing not many of us feel like wells that often. But that is our desire. I pray, Lord, that as we come to the actual living water offered on this table, even seeing the, the waters of baptism that remind us of how you connected it all together. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would transform all those who have joined together with your people through baptism into wells of living water that springs would flow up from us. In Jesus' name, amen.